So, all right. Um, just do me a favor if you can talk at what you think the fullest volume you'll talk is so that I can get levels. Oh, the fullest volume I'll talk. I mean, my laugh is loud, though. I might scare you. I'm sorry. Okay. Although I've been told that I'm good. Yeah. Like, Andrew, the levels seem fine. Yeah, Andrew, whenever we're doing a transliteracy project, Andrew always says that I'm the easiest to edit with sound, because mm. I speak at, like, a sensible level at all times. <laughs> it's only, like, if I laugh or, like, whisper that he mm. has to, like, fudge something. So. Then it's like, ah, okay, okay. <laughs> we should be good. Fantastic. Uh, in that case, let's start. Just say name, pronouns, and the name of the show that you're working on. Yes. I'm Maybe Burke. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my show is Accidental Trans Anthems. Awesome. So, maybe. Uh, let's talk about... First, let's talk a little bit about you. Like, you as a performer. My favorite you, topic. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, like... Uh, give me an idea of you as a performer. I know that's a very vague question. <laughs> but, like, what what... What brought you into performance? Why do you do it? Yeah, so I grew up in musical theater. Um, from the fourth grade, I was doing musicals, um, mainly because my brother did them. Um, and then I was like, I want to do that. And then from being in musicals, I started choreographing musicals because I was a good dancer, apparently. Um, and through choreographing, I found that I really enjoy storytelling, and I like the physical shaping of a story was really fun for me. And then when I went to college, I was studying directing, and I was and still am a director. Um, and then I started working with Honest Accomplice Theater right after college, and I was assistant director, stage manager type human for them, and then somebody dropped out of the cast, and <laughs> Maggie and Rachel, the co-artistic directors, um, took me to lunch one day and were like, hey, you want to be in the show? You're going to be in the show. And then I was like, okay, I'm an actor again. Um, and Honest Accomplice, we devise all of our theater through the lens of women and trans people, so I was able to create the role that I was playing, and I was able to write my own lines and make sure it was a role that I wanted to be playing, because so often there aren't roles for people like me, for people like us. Um, there like aren't roles that I can play, which is why I... Not, it's not the reason I went to be a director and um, a choreographer, but it definitely influenced my decision to stop performing on top of that. Um, but I was able to actually like write my own work, and from that I started writing more work um, and de developing more characters that were like me and more things that I was comfortable portraying. Um, and then I've been lucky enough to also find things that other people have written that they want me to play as well, um, that I'm also very happy to be doing. And now I've kind of come full circle through like all of the jobs that you can have in theater back over to actor. <laughs> hmm. 
So now, would it be, because it seems to me, as someone who is not maybe, but is very much following the career of maybe, oh. what, like, it, would you say that you're kind of an in-demand trans and non-binary performer, or? Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that, but I would agree with you saying it. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been very lucky to kind of blow up. Um, recently, um, I'm in a position where, like, over the past two months, at least once a week, I have to turn down a project, mm. um, often because they're problematic, which we can talk about, is it transphobic, because it is. <laughs> um, but also, just, like, I've been very lucky to be called onto a number of projects right now, and I'm very busy and don't mm. have time to do all of the things, um, and I, like, try to grapple with, like, what is making me blow up when some other people aren't, um, whether that's an amount of exposure that I've gotten um, significantly due to my whiteness, I'm sure. Um, also, like, the scraps of conventional beauty standards I uphold, and the fact that I'm more visibly trans, I'm doing air quotes and this is a podcast, um, <laughs> um, than some other people because there's the shock value of having my body on stage playing a girl instead of somebody who actually looks like what the society will deem girl. Um, these are all things that I think about late at night. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm forcing you in the middle of the day to tell me about them on a podcast. No, but... <laughs> my life's work. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Accidental Trans Anthems, then, because this is the cabaret sort of performance that you're putting on, right? Yes. Am I wrong in saying that? Or? No, you okay. are correct. So, Ariel Mahler, who you know, um, mm -hmm. who is a wonderful human being, um... Ariel directed my solo show in Transfest last year, um, Love Letters to Nobody or Insignificant Others, and we have a funny little friendship, and occasionally we'll send each other, like, songs or stories or things that we deem to be accidental trans anthems, um, things that are basically not written for trans people, but we find our metaphors in them, um stories that are about finding your identity or about like not belonging in the world that you've been given to navigate um there's a lot of there's a lot of it in the world <laughs> a lot of things that are out there for us that people didn't intend to be for us do you um, have any examples off the top of your head that you can share or i like... do <laughs> um i mean for me the concept of the cabaret in particular, which is only using songs, obviously. Um, the If you're familiar with musical theater, um, the prime example that I have is Superboy and the Invisible Girl from Next to Normal, because it's a girl singing about her dead brother and how her parents would prefer he be alive than she would. Mm. And for me to sing that He's the one you wish would appear. He's your hero forever, your son. He's not here. I am here. Mm. That's my accidental trans anthem. <laughs> Damn, that's heavy. Yeah. yeah. 
sometimes it's fun and cute. Too. <laughs> Come to Maybe's cabaret performance where they will make you sad and just press everything. Just make, just really depress the hell out of you. I mean, I'm also singing like Britney Spears and stuff. So. <laughs> There's a Disney medley. <laughs> Because, like, every Disney princess is trans. Who knew? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's very similar to how every Pokemon is trans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them. Every single one. <laughs> every single one. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so why this piece and why now? I... Okay, so... Yeah, I mm-hmm. do do a lot of heavy work. Yeah. Um, I do make people feel things <laughs> a little too often. Um, and, like, I adore my solo show that I did last year, Love Letters to Nobody. I have so much fun doing it, and I have a lot of fun hearing people respond to it, but it's also, like, really heavy and, like, looks at, like, abuse and, like, bad relationships that I've had. And I just wanted to be able to do something fun and free right now, um, while also making people think and having some more heavy moments. But I, I'm really interested. So when I was studying directing in college, I was very interested in like queering classics and like taking stories that people already know and just putting queer people into it to show that we have the same stories, we have the same lives, we can tell the same stories as you, they'll just be from our perspective. And that's what Accidental Trans Anthems is for me in a lot of ways, it's just like, my story isn't that unique. Britney Spears and Kelly Clarkson are singing my story in their own pieces and their own ways. You know, I can shape a through line of my life through Disney lyrics, you know, like we can have all of that. Um, and I think that's very important for me right now, where I am in my career to be able to sing a bunch of songs that weren't meant for trans people. It's not like a trans piece, but it is a trans piece, you know, like making cis people's work trans is really exhilarating for me. (laughs) Very cool. So, and this is also going to extend... Now, actually, before we get into the next question, I want to ask you a little bit, because you helped organize last year, correct? Last yes. year's Trans Theater Fest, and you're, you're organizing again this year, correct? Yes, I'm a co-curator. Um, MJ Kaufman and I curated last year. This year, we've been lucky enough to double our team, so we also have Kit Yan and Ty Defoe curating with us. Awesome. Yeah. Like, so what? What's what was the process like last year? What has changed moving into this year? Um. So, last year, we weren't really sure what we were looking at. Um. Last year, the brick approached us, and they were like, "We have this idea to do a trans festival." here you go. (laughs) Here's some space. What do you want to do? What do you want it to look like? Um, And I was very clear, and MJ very strongly agreed, that I didn't want it to be a theme festival. I didn't want it to be 
a bunch of trans stories as they were. Um, I wanted it to be a festival full of trans people creating work, whether or not their stories were explicitly trans narratives or whatever that means. Um, I just wanted to foster a space for trans people to come and showcase their work because that's not happening enough in this city. Mm. Um, and then we were very lucky to make that happen. Um, and it was quite wonderful. Um, I am so proud of the work that we have done and that we are doing. Um, and this year, we the Brick had planned to have a shorter festival. We were we had like a week chunked off for the festival, and then we got so many submissions and so many wonderful submissions that we just had to expand it. We like had we could not turn away most of this work. Um, it. I'm so excited about Transfest. Transfest is like my freaking Christmas. Although, like, whatever. Non-denominational holiday it is. Um, mm. I, I'm... The thing I love about it, like, I get to read scripts as they're coming in, obviously, as a person picking um, what work goes into this festival. But it's also a wonderful thing where what I'm reading is not what I'm seeing so often, and I go to see the shows and they come to life in ways that I had not imagined from seeing it on the page. And MJ talked last year about the fact that, yes, it's important to have a bunch of people who identify similarly showcasing their work together and having the community around that, but also it's really interesting because there is a specifically unique way that trans people view the world and view their art. And there is, not to make like a rank system of it, but there seems to be like a greater understanding of certain limitations and rules around theater that like trans people can transcend and go against. And I'm so used to knowing what a play is going to look like when I've read it. And that was not the case last year. And I'm so excited to see what happens this year because I'm hoping that still stays the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. So what are some of the worries you have both, uh, both with your piece, with your, with the solo piece you've got in the, uh, in trans theater fest, but also for the festival itself? Like, do you have, like, what worries are you willing to share? I should say, because <laughs> I'm sure there are a bunch going on that you're just like, I can't talk about this, but my God, I hope this works. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> Fair. Um, thank you for the justification. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I try not to worry too much. Mm -hmm. um, the wonderful thing about the festival in general, I'm not worried. Because I trust y'all. And I know that whatever happens, it's going to be great. Um, because history proves itself. Last year was great. Whatever. Um, I, I mean, I always, like on the personal of, like, my show, I'm worried about, like, ticket sales because, like, summer festivals are hard. Mm. Um, because, like, people go away and have social lives. Weird. But I'm 
really not worried because it's gonna happen and that's a weird thing for me to say because I'm usually riddled with anxiety so (laughs) (laughs) so you're worried about the fact that you're not worried precisely okay I suppose that's a good worry to have (laughs) yeah awesome all right so what are you excited about then like what what are you what is really like exciting you about doing this show and also curating again this year yeah i mean i'm specifically excited i i mean i was saying before i grew up in musical theater but i haven't really been able to like sing for an extended period of time for people <laughs> outside of like my bedroom um in a while and so i'm really excited to get to do that again and also i'm collaborating with april rose gabrielli who is a dear friend of mine for the past 10 years we did a show together in high school and haven't been on stage together since then um but we ended up going to college together and like constantly in and out of each other's lives and I am so excited to share this with April and to create this with April. April is helping me like write medleys and shape the music and put things in different keys because God knows I can't scroll Kelly Clarkson songs. <laughs> but I'm I'm really excited to like finally be able to collaborate with this beautiful, smart human being that I've had in my life for so long. Who I just like every time I want to do something that has music in it, I'm like. April's available and like April's available and we're doing it like we're like the timing just worked it's happening yeah Yeah. and like as soon as I got the idea to do this I like reached out to her and I was just like how do you feel and she's like yes yes I'll make this happen with you yes and I was like that's the response I needed yeah let's go um yeah I'm just like so excited we're referring to it as the queer musical partnership you've all been waiting for um, <laughs> whether or not that's true I mean I'm sure there are queer musical partnerships out there that are we, we're not waiting for but <laughs> this is the one you have been waiting for <laughs> we're having fun <laughs> awesome um, I want to I'm wondering uh, going back to an earlier thing that we were talking about just the idea of like having to turn down things a lot because you're, you're like you know you're super busy yes what kind of goes into accepting like what is mm-hmm. what are the qualities of a show that people like you're you're an in demand trans performer what do people need in their shows especially if they're not trans to book you like what are the things that are going to say like oh my gosh i want to do this because x yeah you're making me sound a lot more important than i am but <laughs> that was the goal <laughs> They're doing a great job. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, so long as I'm not uncomfortable when I'm reading your script, you've got me. Mm. Um, I'm a person who gets very bored reading scripts, um, which, like, I get bored reading scripts that I'm not interested in, obviously. Um, but if there are, like, cheap jokes and bad references to identity and or genitalia I'm turned off like it's not gonna work um a thing that I run into often is 
when I explain to people that I'm not interested in their piece for X, Y, and Z, they come back and tell me that it's still a work in progress. And I'm like, but what you don't realize is the things that you have are problematic. Like, we need to not <laughs> talk about those things. And, like, the fact that you felt sharing that script with a trans person was okay <laughs> makes me not want to work with you at all. Um, th I'm very lucky that I've found people who are writing stories and just casting trans people in them. Um, I'm currently working with Emmeline Kowaleski on this poem she wrote called Our Heroine, which does not specifically have a space for a trans person in it, but she wanted to work with me on it and has me reading in it. Um, and I'm so lucky to be a part of that. It's just an intergenerational look at femininity in the world and womanhood, and she wanted me to be a part of that, and that's a brilliant thing for me. Um, I'm also currently playing my first cis girl, um, <laughs> which is like, shouldn't be an accomplishment, but it so is for me. Um, and she's like a 12-year-old little nerd who's obsessed with Rasputin. Um, her name is Addison. It's um, a play called Red Emma and the Mad Monk. Um, going up in Antfest in, like, two weeks, um, which is fun. <laughs> mm. um, but, like, these people had, like, seen me in workshops of our heroine, actually, and then they were like, we want you to come and audition for this role, and when I first saw it, I was like, why do you want me to audition? Oh, okay, I guess she's trans, and then I, like, read the script, and I was like, doesn't she's not trans and then I'm like reading the script and I'm like oh she's talking about getting her period she's not trans and then I just like went to the audition and then they were like great we want you and I was like she's not trans you know that right I I am I'm like, <laughs> and they just like mm. wanted to work with me um which is like I'm saying it like it's a shocking thing but it shouldn't be but mm. at this point it is kind of shocking that there are people who I didn't know on a personal level who wanted to work with me and cast me as a girl who does not happen to be trans but happens to explicitly talk about her body in a way that makes her seem cis mm. um, and that's thrilling for me um, just like the main thing that you can do is to write a character and cast a trans person, and that's what they've done. Um, I'm also playing Herpes Girl in Delicious Filth, Grinder Play number three right now. What? Um, I know, it's so good. It's also <laughs> happening at the Brick in the This Is Not Normal festival. Uh-huh. Um, I'm playing Herpes Girl, who, when they first reached out to me, they literally were like, please read the script before you turn down the road based on the name. <laughs> Um, which I did, and I appreciated that. Mm. And she is explicitly trans, but it doesn't really come up a lot, because mm. that's real. That's, like, real life. Um, she, like, there aren't... I don't think... Yeah, I... She never actually says the word trans. She is just a girl living in the world who, like, at one point mentions, like, a partner misgendering her and, like, talks about, like, safety in the world. But, like, things that could also relate to a myriad of other humans. Um, 
And that's what I look for. If you're a cis person writing a role for a trans person, I'm so not interested in, like, cis perceptions of what it is to be trans. I'm so not interested in the cis view of trans identity. I'm interested in playing a role that could or could not be played by a trans person. Um, just like harping on genitals or on body shape or on words and those are things that should be in our control. Those are things that should be our stories to tell. Um, and it is so evidently clear when those things happen from a trans writer or from a cis writer. It is so different in how those things are handled. Mm. Um, and it goes down to a level of comfort. Um, mm. And there's there's like a difference for me between like the discomfort that you want an audience to feel reading or seeing a play and the discomfort that I feel sometimes when I read roles that people want me to play. Mm. Um, there's a fetishization and an exploitation involved when somebody is trying to talk about my genitalia for me mm. that's like not okay with me um well and i i wonder if we can also talk a little bit about the the idea of like you you mentioned when you're first reading the script mm -hmm. if there are things that immediately jump out to you as like nope and then they say well it's an early draft mm -hmm. Like they're they're also not and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're also not offering to pay you any like emotional labor cost, any any cost to go through and basically hold their hand on the trans experience to fix it. Precisely. They're they're gonna assume, well, you're acting, so you're gonna make it work, or you're gonna portray this thing incorrectly, quote unquote. Yeah. 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 It's a thing that like. A lot of people reach out to me and want my feedback, um, want me to play the role, but also be a consultant. Um, and I've realized that they don't want my feedback, they want my approval. Mm. Um, and if they don't get my approval, I'm wrong. Mm. Um, it's interesting because I have been very lucky to be a, like, actively working person in theater while being trans and yet as soon as I critique somebody's work it's very clear to me that they don't respect my opinion and don't think that I know what I'm talking about in the world of theater um I had somebody reach out to me once recently that basically like mansplained gender and theater to me and I was like dude google me like this is my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, like, you can't know. Like, and just, like, I get the sense a lot of the time that people think that they are doing me a great favor by writing this role mm -hmm. um, without taking into account the fact that I write for myself. I write for other people. Um, I know other trans people who write trans roles. I know cis people who do write trans roles that aren't offensive it's not a great favor to me if I literally don't have time to do your show because I'm working on another one you know like mm -hmm. it's it's this like 
mentality of like poor little trans person I'll help you get work and I'm like kid I'm let's I, talk about your genitals now yeah, yes like, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. kind of work that I want to do mm. and like even if I were not working on other projects right now like mm. I would not put myself into that room with you I I mean to each their own but like I don't need work that badly like I would find other things to do if that was the only work that I could be doing mm. um I mean, talk about your genitals if you want to, go for it if you want to, help people stop being problematic if they if you have the emotional capacity to deal with that, but mm. I'm much happier and safer just, like, existing while being trans and not having to, like, talk about the intimate details of what got me to that decision and realization every freaking day of my life. Mm. Um, which... I mean, I do. Like, I talk about my genitals, I talk about my identity in Love Letters to Nobody because I'm in control of the narrative. It's my story, it's real, and it's accurate. And people are reaching out to trans people, which is the right step to do, to try to tell real and accurate stories. But as soon as we say, no, that's not a good story, they're like, but we're doing it. Like, this is we reach out to you to be real and I'm like but that's not real like mm. your story is a bad idea like that's gonna hurt the community more than it's going to help it um and that's what's really frustrating is that people can't let go of mm. their vision of what trans identity is even while asking a trans person to give them the tools mm. I'm curious if you've ever gotten the excuse well this other trans person said it was okay Ugh. Like, within I, this context. In this context, I haven't, mm. luckily. Because often I find that I'm the first trans person this person has spoken to. Mm. Um, it comes often that they're like, I don't know if, like, you Google trans and I come up or what it is, but <laughs> it keeps happening to me that people are like, talking to me and I'm like it's very clear to me that you have never met a trans person in your entire life and mm -hmm. that by emailing me and like reading my blog you think you know me now um which somebody had written a role that was problematic I turned it down and then they came back to me a couple of weeks later and told me they read my blog and then shaped the character after me but they had never met me mm -hmm. and they don't know who I am and thought that reading my blog means they know me well enough to make me the model for their character. Mm. A blog that, like, talks about transphobia and, like, like radical feminism in a way that, like, the play was not reflecting, and I was like, mm. I'm personally offended if you think mm. this character is a reflection of me, because mm. you don't know me at all. Which, which even the statement, I modeled it after your blog, is a little better, but, like, but also, okay? It, like, but also, like, after reading it again, I was like, no, it did, it's not. <laughs> like, you don't mm. get it. Mm. They, like, and, like, if you find, like, YouTube videos of me, even, like, I'm talking about, like, casting for trans people and, like, how mm. you, like, should not try to write a thing that you don't understand and it was very clearly that's like what was going on and it's unfortunate that I run into this so often you know mm. like that I mean 
there is like the silver lining of like people are trying like it's mm. happening but there's also the degradation of the fact that like they're just doing it for show and it's because whatever trans is like so in right now that mm. people are just like trying to do the thing to associate themselves with it for their own gain instead of actually trying to tell an accurate story for a good reason mm. that's always my go-to it's like why are you telling this story why is this character trans because if there's not a specific reason there's a trans identity in the play then it doesn't need to be talked about mm. you can write a play and cast a trans person and you'll still have a trans character in that play mm. And there is a difference between it doesn't need to be talked about versus it doesn't need to exist. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing that's really important to me, which is why TransFest is a place for trans creators, not trans stories, is that it's really important to me that while we have trans people talking about their identities and telling those stories, it's also really important to me to have trans people talking about things that aren't about their identity and their transition. There's so much more to the trans narrative than medical transitioning. There's so much more to cover out there. And I think we're the people who should be covering it. Mm. Um, but, like, that's the thing. Like, if people... Like, the people who have been casting me in these things keep creating work and keep casting trans people, that's the best way to get trans people working and to get trans narratives out there so like these people who have been casting me the more people that see me and the more people that know me the more people come to see my work and then when they see my show they actually get a trans narrative not a cis perspective of a trans narrative you know like mm. this is a way that we can open the world for opportunity for trans actors and trans performers and trans mm. artists in general mm. i don't think it's a big ask really no just like we're here well and and because i do a lot of advocacy for writing the other like writing narratives that are not like within your perspective mm -hmm. and i think so much of it is finding out what are the stories you can tell versus the stories you shouldn't tell yes because i think it's okay because I always get a little, like, uh, whenever I hear, like, oh, well, this person won an award for writing a story about, like, uh, a character that was outside their race, and I understand why that is problematic, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, but, like, there, there are stories that can be told, and we should work on that, because we really have to write outside our perspective in order to create that. But at the same time, it's like, it's it's a back and forth, and you have to know what that, what are the stories you can tell versus what are the stories you should help finance or something, like, from someone who That's, should be telling it. That is always a valid point, that I'm like, if this story is so important to you that it's told, and you don't have the tools to tell it, commission somebody who does have the tools to tell it mm. you know like find somebody who can write it for you if half the people who are reaching out to me to play roles reached out to me instead with a wad of cash and an idea for me to develop we could talk you know mm. um 
a lot of cash. Who and I? then you'd contact your friend Ashley to make sure that we're we're all working together. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a we'll thing. share that's, the wad. Okay, yeah. that's also a thing. <laughs> I mean, recently yeah. I've had to turn down things because they're problematic. But mm. often, if I'm busy. I don't turn down opportunities. I refer friends to opportunities. Mm. Um, and that is a thing that's also very important to me so that I'm not the only working trans person in the city, which mm. I'm not significantly. Mm. So there are a lot of us doing a lot of good work, but f for one reason or another, I've become a face um, out there right now, which is probably strongly linked to the fact that I am a curator of Transfest and that my name mm. is on all of our publicity and when you Google trans I probably do come up. Mm. Um, but I try to open up opportunities for other people, which is a reason that I was excited to be a curator for the Transfest. Um, that I can... I have casting directors reach out to me from time to time being like, we're casting this role, who do you know? And I give them a list of whatever requirements they're looking for in terms of age, race, gender, all of that. Um, and that is a thing that I've been very happy to do for other people to help create those opportunities because I know that I can't work in a vacuum and that I mean, if I am the only trans actor that you know, you're most likely to cast me, but also if there are more tra working trans actors out there working constantly, then there will be more opportunities for us, and that will spread, and that will grow. Um, and I don't need myself to be performing in every piece as much as I need us to be everywhere. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'd, like, need for my siblings to thrive with me. That's my goal. <laughs> no, that's really nice. That's very sweet. Yeah. No, that's good. I like that. Especially as a podcast producer, that's a great, that's yeah. like a great stinger line. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so, what, so just to kind of like wrap everything up, like, what do you think are some of the qualities, and I know we've talked about them already, but, like, what do you think is the, like, one quality or a few of the qualities that are really going to pull people into your show to Accidental Trans Anthems? Yeah, so, I mean, my hope is that, like, any and every trans person will, like, hear the title of the cabaret and be like, I'm there. Because, <laughs> like, mm. we all have them. Like, mm. whether or not you have this, like, language for them, like... Mm. As soon as I say accidental trans anthems and explain the theory, I'm sure you, like, have them in your head that yeah. you're thinking of what they are. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody has their own ones. Mm. Um, and so I'm really hoping that this show, I've, we've been working on the set list and figuring out what we're singing and what we're not doing. Um, and I'm really hoping that this shows a flavor of my own perspective of trans identity because we're not all the same. Mm. Um, and, like, it is very femme-heavy because, hi. Um, <laughs> but mm. it also, just, like, the amounts of times that people can relate to a story that they didn't think they could relate to. That's always, like, the most exciting thing for me when people can find similarities to my story that aren't necessarily in line with their story um, and using 
material that's not mine and that's not about trans identity is a really fun and exciting way for me to do that. Um, where I talked about it a lot in a lot of different rooms that, like, there's, like, a difference between what, like, I have no idea what I'm saying right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, the difference between, like, understanding every nuanced piece of trans identity and getting what it feels like to not belong in the room that you're in. Understanding what it feels like to be an outsider in the grand scheme of the world. Like, most people can latch on to those ideas of not belonging and needing to do something to change that, um, more so that they can really understand why necessarily I'm putting makeup on my face every day, or something like that. Um, and that's what a lot of these songs are, and a lot of these things are. I mean, like, every Disney movie has the song of, like, I'm gonna make my life better, like, I'm gonna be a better version of myself, who is that girl I see staring straight back at me, I can go the distance. All of those songs of just, like, we will prevail. Um, and mm -hmm. that's the m stuff that I'm most excited to do, is to find through lines in other people's lives where they can realize that trans people aren't that different from them, that we all have shared experiences, um, we all have individual unique experiences, but we all have a common humanality that's, like, not addressed enough, in my opinion. Mm. Um, to find those through lines is really fun for me. Mm. No, that's funny. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about that idea of, like, what are accidental trans anthems, and I'm thinking, like, early on, uh, there was a band, and they're still around, but they're called uh, Life of Agony, hmm. and I was, like, growing up in high school, I was like, yeah, like, these are, like, all about me, and, like, so for a while, they were accidental trans anthems, and then in college, Mina Caputo... Uh, opened up and said, actually, I'm trans. Anybody else can go fuck themselves if they think, if they want to say any shit about it. And it was like, oh, there it is. Oh, it wasn't accidental. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. very, yeah. <laughs> also yeah. against me, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah, well, that's also funny because we were talking about doing an Against Me song in mm -hmm. the cabaret, but I was like, but that's not an accident. Like, she, she's blatantly talking about being trans. Like, that's not yeah. an accident. Hmm. Which is fun also because um, April is a songwriter, mm -hmm. um, and she is the, like, main singer of this wonderful band, The Rose Monarch. Um, and so we are... I am singing a song that she wrote, um, which is an accidental trans anthem because she wrote it about her sexuality, not about her gender. Um, mm. But it's also just like, might as well plug your work while we're on stage right. together. <laughs> <laughs> so, sh so you're going to say shameless plug. Precisely. Oh, fantastic. All right. Oh yeah, there will be shameless yeah, plugs, yeah. don't you worry. <laughs> cool. So uh, is there anything else that you want to say about the show, about Trans Theater Fest that we didn't cover, that you haven't said? I mean, we, we've been talking for a good we've amount of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, we've hit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come see it. Yeah. I come see everything. Mm. Um, there's, like, literally 
something for everybody in this festival. Um, I think it's really exciting and really fun that there are so many different stories and so many different perspectives coming into this theater at the same time. Um, specifically, come see Exit After Trans Anthems, because it'll be a fun time. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think that the more people that can come to experience work like this, the more people that can latch on to work that they don't necessarily think they're going to relate to, the better understanding and a better world that we can have. Um, that's my main goal with work like this. So come see it and figure out whether or not you like it. I promise you might not hate it. It's a good. That's a promise you can get behind. Because even if they do hate it, I well, I might, might not. not uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't have. I'm oh, sorry. I'm oh, sure you, you get that the all thing. the time. You get that all the time, don't you? I walked right into it. <laughs> I'm waiting on a deal with Carly Rae Jepsen. It's fine. <laughs> cool. So, uh, one more thing. Just say name, name of the show, and the date, so that people, so that I can use it as some sort of something. Yeah. Um, so I'm Maybe Burke. Um, I'm performing my cabaret, Accidental Trans Anthems, with April Rose Gabrielli on Tuesday, July 18th at 7 p.m. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much. Yay! All right, now I'm gonna stop this. <laughs>